Welcome to the Library Love Fest podcast. I'm Virginia Stanley. I'm Lainey Mays. And I'm Grace Catanolo. We are the library marketing team at HarperCollins Publishers. We bring librarians and great books together. The new year brings new offerings from our podcast. The first episode of the month will have book presentations, author interviews, voicemails from librarians like you, and more. And our mini episode halfway through the month features our Library Reads winners. Don't miss our winning author's acceptance speeches. Welcome and enjoy the show. Book Buzz, HarperCollins Book Buzz. Check it out. Book Buzz, HarperCollins Book Buzz. Brought to you by Library Love Hi, it's Lainey from the Library Love Fest team. We're so excited to have a very special podcast episode for you. We got back from the ALA conference in Chicago a few weeks ago. They have a really cool thing on the show floor. You can go and record a podcast using all of their equipment. We had Jean Kwok, author of The Leftover Woman in Chicago for various other things, panels and signings, but we thought we would take advantage of this program we had Gene stop by the podcast studio on the show floor and do a little recording telling you all about The Leftover Woman. It's been so sweet and thoughtful as Gene always is. And I can't wait for you to listen to this audio. And then if you haven't already, download the eGalley. And also don't forget this goes on sale October 10th, 2023. So you have until September 1st to vote for Library Reads. So I hope you enjoy. Here's Gene Kwok. Hi, I'm Jean Kwok. I am at ALA, and this is so exciting. The noise you're hearing from the background is the show floor, um, and I'm just thrilled to record this for the Library Love Fest podcast. Let me tell you about my new book, The Leftover Woman, which is coming out in October. The Leftover Woman is about two mothers, two worlds, and one impossible choice. When Jasmine Yang gives birth to a baby in China and it's told her child died shortly after birth, Jasmine grieves. But a few years later, she finds out that her daughter had not died, but had been given away by her husband to a wealthy American couple for adoption, another female casualty of China's controversial one-child policy. When the novel opens, Jasmine has followed her daughter to New York City with her husband hot on her trail. Meanwhile, publishing executive Rebecca Whitney has it all. A prestigious family name and the wealth that comes with it, a high-powered career, a beautiful home, a handsome husband, and an adopted Chinese daughter she adores. But this perfect world begins to crumble. The Leftover Woman finds Jasmine and Rebecca on a shocking collision course. It's a story of two women in a divided city, separated by severe economic and cultural differences, yet bound by their absolute love for a child. This book is two things at the same time, a propulsive thriller and an examination of what we see or don't see when we look at the women around us. The story is specific and universal. The Leftover Woman was born from my own struggle as a woman in a traditional Chinese immigrant family. 
This is the most deeply personal novel that I have written since my debut. I was not seen in my family. In a Chinese family, the hierarchy is determined by age and gender. I was not only the youngest of seven children, but a girl at that. I was at rock bottom of my family hierarchy. I moved from Hong Kong to Brooklyn when I was five years old, and we lived in a rat-infested, roach-infested apartment that didn't have a working central heating system. There was ice on the inside of our windows all winter long. We also started working in a clothing factory in Manhattan's Chinatown, and although I was still in kindergarten, I went along to help work as well. Libraries were what saved me. My public library was a place of physical, emotional, mental refuge for me. It was a warm, lovely place. It was clean. I could go there to feel safe physically, but also mentally, my librarians gave me books that opened up entire new worlds to me. The only books that I owned as a child came from my public library's literacy programs. In my home, I remember that lucky posters filled with boys plastered our walls. It was hoped that these images would induce women to bear male offspring. At my brother's wedding, a male relative rolled on the marriage bed in a ritual to increase the likelihood of sons instead of daughters. When my brother spoke, even if they spoke the greatest nonsense, I wasn't allowed to contradict them, ever. I wasn't permitted to look my father in the eyes because that was disobedient, let alone daring to voice an opposing opinion. Women were supposed to be vessels, silent carriers of male children. It wasn't considered necessary for a girl to go to college. I had the opposite of tiger parents. In fact, in my family, girls weren't considered necessary at all. Even as a child, I understood the trajectory of the road ahead of me. I'd work at the clothing factory my entire life, end up as one of the old women who cut the excess thread off the buttonholes. The only alternate route, and the one I understood to be my family's dream, was for me to escape this life by finding a man to marry. Then I could cook and clean for him, support him while he finished his education, bear him sons, and take care of our children. Sadly, my family despaired of this ever becoming a reality because they didn't think they could ever find a man willing to marry me. I was one of those dreamy kids with the nose always in a book, you know, spaced out, clumsy, a terrible cook and housekeeper, in short, a disaster as a Chinese daughter. I thought long and hard about the two choices I had in my life, the factory or a husband, and I decided I would go to Harvard instead. Years later, I did. I was fortunate that I had this academic escape path, but many friends and family did not. I heard about the ways the one-child policy was devastating families in China. I knew people who had given up their daughters. I had friends who were the daughters who'd been left to die or placed in an orphanage for adoption. I was also close to couples who'd adopted those daughters and brought them to the West. 
people I knew came to this country as undocumented immigrants, smuggled in by snakeheads, and were later forced to repay them. I understood that someday I would write this novel. This is an emotional topic for me, one at the interplay of East and West, and yet is rarely depicted in fiction or film. It touches upon so many issues that are so important today. Interracial adoption, the role of ambition in a woman's life, working moms and the sacrifices they're forced to make, what it's like to be a woman in a male-dominated society, the power of appearances, how we evaluate another person, especially if that person is a foreigner or a woman. Does a child belong to her biological parent or her adoptive one? Does the American dream still exist? And if it does, what's the price? And who pays that price? I was particularly interested in interrogating the fetishization of Asian women and the white gaze. Asian women are subjects filled with power and agency, not mere objects of desire, and yet we often find ourselves forced into certain roles through societal pressure. So what happens when Jasmine finally takes back control of her body and her mind? It's so easy to judge someone from the outside, badly dressed, barely speaking English, and yet the reality of that person on the inside can be completely different. How does Jasmine interior contradict how she's perceived by others, especially those not from her own race and culture? In fact, I do something I haven't seen done before. I utilize a genre plot twist to replicate the white gaze. Read the novel and see if you know what I mean. I ended up writing a family drama that's also a novel of suspense, one filled with twists and turns involving a murder, a young woman trying to recover her lost daughter, and a love that blossoms in the most unexpected of places. It's a story of two women in a divided city, connected by a child that they both adore. It's a love letter to motherhood and belonging, a celebration of our ability to learn and change, despite our flaws. And it's really about the qualities that we have in common instead of the issues that drive us apart. I hope you'll enjoy reading The Leftover Woman. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Library Love Fest podcast. For more information, go to librarylovefest.com. Enjoying the show? We would love to hear what you think. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Library Love Fest, on Instagram and TikTok at Harper Library. And you can always give us a call and leave us a message you might end up on the show. That number is 212-207-7773. Be sure to rate and review us and share the show with a friend. Until next time. Thank <laughs> you.